You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Um, morning. Is it everyone doing okay? Everyone happy? Largely happy? Mostly happy? Good. Good. I tell you what, it's good to get out of Penrith for a week. Um, I haven't... I haven't got kids, as many of you will be aware. In fact, it would have been a great shock if I'd taken this moment to announce. But um, <laughs> I, um, I can imagine that, um, you know, when you have a date night without kids, and it, it's great. And then, uh, but you're excited to go back to them. That, that's kind of uh, the picture it is to be out of Penrith for a week. Uh, but uh, it, jokes aside, it's... Um, you know, God's doing amazing things there. Genuinely, we, you know, we're getting new people come through every week. We've got three healthy life groups. Um, we've got a youth ministry that's gone from strength to strength. And just really blessed, um, you know, to th- think that, six, um, you know, seven years ago when we started and there were services when only sort of one person came. Um, you know, to be getting 50 to 60 people every week is you know, God, God's really blessing us, and uh, it's good. Um, the other thing that's happened since I last saw you is I've got engaged. Um, so, thank you. <laughs> There'll be some people in here who said I didn't know he had a girlfriend, you know. But, um, no, so, uh, yeah, uh, engaged to be married to Hannah, which is really exciting. And um, little funny story, on Friday, I... Um, so, we're getting married in a parish church, uh, near to where we live and, um, uh, well, in my little village, actually. And, uh, you know, there's just something about the parish church for weddings, isn't there? You know, freezing cold, no electric, no toilet, um, all the pros, really. Uh, And for whatever reason, it sounds like a great idea. But um, I I went to do some work on Friday for an old couple. Uh, He's 96 and... uh, uh, he's got about uh, about 5% vision left, I think. But he still could say to me, you've put on weight since I saw you last. So <laughs> I thought, thanks very much. Um, but um, <laughs> And then continued to tell me I was just a blur. So, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so, uh, you know, and you know the type of old couple who say comments like that, but then insist you have a two-course meal with them at lunch whilst you're kind of, uh, you know, plastering in their bedroom ceiling and stuff. Come down and we've cooked you a full dinner and then there's dessert. It's tremendous, okay? Um, but anyway, I, I was telling them the excitement of all of this kind of thing and, and the lady had said, um, she's not 96, by the way. She's probably 20 years younger. Go figure, you know? But um, so... Um, I'd said, oh, you know, we're getting married, really exciting, whatever. Uh, and she said, well, I could do your wedding because she, she is an Anglican minister. Uh, and my initial thought was, you're nuts, okay? <laughs> you know, like, there's absolutely no way. But then she began to talk about the friend and family discount and stuff like that. <laughs> so anyway, I came away and was like, Hannah, I have found the vicar. So, uh, so it's good stuff. And also there was talk of wedding presents. You can have whatever you like. I thought the two of them got me sold. So, uh, so yeah, we, 
um, hopefully Ben and Gail will be doing the majority of it, but the, this lady called Judy will also be there as well. But anyway, um, what, I, uh, what I actually came to share with you today is uh, we're talking on this series, Greater, and, um, uh, and I really want to talk about freedom today, and just to kind of tick that box with the series, I've titled this Greater Freedom. Um, but hopefully it, it will uh, bring us into a sense of what is possible uh, in relationship with God and, and actually push us um, to rely on him, push us to push past our past, to be um, greater um, in our pursuit of being disciples. And um, we're, we're going to drop into a bit of the story of Moses and the Israelites coming uh, out of slavery in Egypt um, and kind of in, about to embark on the wilderness, which, as we know, leads to the promised land. Uh, and the account of the Israelites in Egypt, um, there were slaves there for 430 years, which is a heck of a long time uh, to be yeah, slaves in, in, in a foreign land. And um, it, it's almost like a mirror image of our conversion, of, of our moment, of, uh, you know, if, if this time in Egypt is symbolic of our past, uh, and then we're released out of that, uh, into the promised land, into the, the call that God has for us as disciples of him. When we become Christians, we're, we're saved and we're the, what, what we've been liberated from our past. And it's this mirror image. But, but between the two, there, there is this complicated road to walk called freedom. Uh, because if you don't think that freedom is complicated, uh, then perhaps you have never walked it enough. But um, we're going to drop into the book of Exodus uh, Exodus chapter 5, we're going to find the Israelites still as slaves on the cusp of being delivered from slavery in Egypt. Yet in truth, and the, 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 the purpose of today's message is, are they really seeking freedom or are they seeking a less harsh version of slavery? And um, when I tallied up how many verses from the Bible I was going to read for you today, we were up to about 45, Okay. Now, the only place you can't read 45 verses in the Bible is church, because people moan, um, you know, the irony. So, um, so we, we are going to read from Exodus 5, from 1 to 21, but we're not going to read every single verse. We're going to pull, pull in and out, and I'll let you know. But can I, can I tell you, read it in its fullness. Um, uh, if you're making notes, write down Exodus 5, 1 to 21. But um, from verse 1, it says, After Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. That's Pharaoh's stance on the whole thing. Then flipping to verse 6, it says, That same day Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. So Pharaoh's response to let my people go is, now actually I'm, I'm going to punish the people even more then. And then going down to verse 10, it says this, then the slave drivers and the overseers went and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. 
Then verse 15 says, The Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants like this? And then verse 19 to the end, it says, The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, You are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You've made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. It's not good news. And then just flipping to Exodus uh, 6, again from verse 1 to 9, but literally we're just going to read 7, 8, and 9 uh, to stop people moaning. It says this, um, I will take you, this is God speaking, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore thee with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. What an incredible promise. And then Moses reported this to the Israelites, but this is what it says in verse nine. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor, because suddenly they were having to find their own straw to make bricks. And there's loads of different things going on here. You know, God speaks to Moses. Moses then comes and appeals to Pharaoh and says, will you let my uh, people go? Pharaoh then rejects this, and then Pharaoh decides he's going to punish the Israelites. Uh, So then the Israelites hit out at Moses and Aaron, and they're, they're not particularly thrilled with the prospect of having to hunt for straw. I mean, in this day and age, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But um uh, and, then, and then Moses hits out of God. That's some of what we didn't have time to read today. But Mo- Moses hits out of God. So then God reaffirms his promise to Moses, as we just read in Exodus chapter 6. But then Moses goes and talks to the Israelites, and it says they don't listen uh, because of their discouragement and harsh labor. You know, in, in, extra, in Exodus chapter 5, we, we, we realize that uh, we read that the, the Israelites are really realizing they've got a problem, that they're, they're going to have to start um, hunting for straw to make bricks, but actually the number of bricks that Pharaoh is requiring them to make isn't going to change. That is what they see as their problem, that they've got to hunt that. But actually, when you dig deeper, and what really stood out to me is when you actually realize that the problem isn't that they're having to make bricks without straw, The problem is they have been slaves for 430 years and they're about to be set free and delivered and embark on a journey into the land that God has called them and has been promised of God. Yet because of the conditions within their slavery seemingly go from um, comfortable to persecution, um, we, we um, we find here that they don't actually want freedom. What they want is a less harsh version of slavery. In fact, you know, we, we, we read that they're, they're willing to compromise the freedom of the promised land for a slavery that includes straw to, find, to build bricks. Uh, and, I'd, you know, I, I just really get a sense that this is a word in season for people in this room, people who have been released from slavery, released from their past, yet find themselves in the pursuit of freedom because, as we've said, it is complicated. Find themselves retreating back and compromising for a less harsh version of what life was like before, for a version of before that includes God but not, is not centered around him. 
You know, believe it or not, when I was in A-level, I studied psychology. And in another life where I hadn't become a, a, a pastor or a plasterer, I would have indeed liked to have been a psychologist because people are interesting, aren't they? You know, and within the context of this room, we could have some great psychological studies. <laughs> why people are how they are and who they are. And there's a term in psychology called um, Stockholm Syndrome. This term came about in 1973 when a bank heist in Stockholm went wrong. A guy called Jan Erik Olsen um, planned to rob a bank, uh, take the money and run, uh, but it turned into a hostage situation and he kept six hostages uh, for six, uh, four hostages for six days. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's um, negotiating for his friend to be released from prison to come and join him in the heist. And it all sounds like the sort of thing that Netflix would love to make a drama about today. Um, um, but when, when the, um, the, I guess, the police finally managed to get the hostages out of there, um, that none of the hostages would testify against um, the heist you know, they wouldn't testify against Jan Eric Olsen. Uh, they, were, they, in fact, began to raise money for his defense. And people couldn't work out. And they, this term was phrased, uh, was coined, um, Stockholm Syndrome, that these people felt more at home with their captors than they did with the people who were trying to release them from the heist. Uh, and I, I kind of think when you look at the Israelites, that they were suffering from this Stockholm Syndrome, maybe Egyptian syndrome, that they felt more at home and at ease and comfortable with their slave drivers than they did with Moses and Aaron and the call of God to release them from 430 years of liberation. And, and sometimes, if we're honest, we can end up having Stockholm syndrome. We can feel more at home with the way that life always was, with the habits, with the mindsets of the way that we've always thought, even though we know there is a greater freedom for us, even though we know that God has so much more in store for us. And I want to remind you today that the Bible doesn't say it was for a less harsh version of slavery that Christ has set us free. What it says is in Galatians 5.1, it says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And you know, when Paul's writing to these people in this place called Galatia at the time, the, the, these guys were um, throwing things back upon themselves that they didn't need to. Legalism, religious rituals, you know, they, they were um, insistent on people getting circumcised. You know, today we're glad that that isn't part of daily life. But, but they're insistent on bringing up things that no longer matter, that have been released from, and, and, and putting it on people today. And they're saying, uh, uh, and Paul's saying to these people, you're being burdened again by this yoke of slavery that God has set you free from. This isn't the call that God has on your life. You have been released into freedom. Uh, and, you know, um, why would you once again want to shackle yourself up with this sort of thing? Yet, you know, within many aspects of life, we can find ourselves aiming. You know, maybe it's a mindset, maybe it's a, a pattern of behavior, maybe, um, I don't know what it is for you, it's an emotional thing, a physical thing. We can find ourselves aiming, instead of for total freedom that Christ paid for us, 
for a less harsh version of what life was like before. Uh, you know, and we, we convince ourselves it wasn't really that bad or it isn't really that bad. It's worth the compromise, whatever. And, you know, if slavery in Egypt is, as I shared right at the start, a mirror image of our past, and if the Israelites are a mirror image of us, making that walk into freedom, then we've got to fully understand that God can set us free from our past. You know, we believe it, we sing it, we get excited about it, we fully understand God can set us free. And we know the slavery of our past, and that looks different to, to all of us. You know, the interesting thing about our history, if anything, it highlights for us what we are prone to as people, doesn't it? And for each of us, that is a different thing but we know what the mindsets are, the emotions, what the behavior patterns are, what the temptations are, what the pulls of the flesh, to use a Christian term, is, what the addictions are. We know the, the slavery of our past. But the third thing we need to, to know is when God actually unties those shackles, when we get released by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we get given a glimpse of a different life, Sometimes, because the walk of freedom is complicated, perhaps it's lonely, perhaps emotionally draining, perhaps it takes longer than we thought, perhaps it's a, a process when we just live in this instant generation. What we find ourselves doing is retreating back to a, and compromising to a less harsh slavery. And slavery in the context that I'm talking, obviously I'm, I'm not talking about literal slavery, for those of you who have switched off for 20 minutes and just tuned in. Um, slavery, what I'm talking about, it, it doesn't mean that, that you can't come to church. It doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with God. It doesn't actually even mean that God can't work in you and through you. It, it, but what it does mean is that you never fully experience the life that he has called you to. And instead you find yourself looking for momentary liberation. You find yourself wanting to be liberated. You know, there's a time at the end for prayer. You, you come forward, someone prays for you, you feel liberated. You step straight back into the slavery. You might take a couple of days, but you go back into it. God isn't looking to liberate us momentarily. He, he's looking for us to walk in complete and utter freedom. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with prayer after the service. But the, but the prayer after the service is the releasing what comes after that is the walk to freedom. Because, because freedom is comp complicated, I, I think those two words, liberation and freedom, a lot of people think they are the same, sound the same, and in many ways they are. But what, when it comes to my head, I think the liberation is the being released, okay? And the freedom is walking in that liberation. It's the process. Liberation is the event. Freedom is the process. And you know, the two are very similar, but you, you look at countries around the world that have been liberated, you know, when dictators are in and, and the allied forces come in and um, it, they, they release, they, they liberate this country and yet 20, 30 years go by and no one's walking in freedom. In fact, they end up in greater messes than they were before. Why? Because freedom is complicated. Because no one has actually pulled them by the hand and said, this is how we live in freedom. It's one thing saying to someone, right now you're free. Here, you know, when you, you come out of prison or, or whatever, I've, I've never been. But, um, you know, they, they give you a bag of your stuff, say, right now you're free. Go and be free. Uh, and, and you're liberated. But, but, but actually, all your mindsets, all your patterns of behavior 
and everything. You don't know how to be free. And for many of us, when we become Christians and, uh, and, and we know we've been re- released from all this baggage, like literally get off scot-free. The incredible thing about Jesus is he, he, didn't, he didn't say, I'll meet you halfway. He said, I'm coming all the way and I'm releasing you of all this stuff. And yet some of us, we, we've never been taught how to be free. And you know, the, the Israelites, even after they have left Egypt really struggle to shake off this slavery mindset. We find them kind of looking back with rose-tinted glasses. Of You know, it was easier when we were in Egypt. At least we knew when we get fed. We knew what was up, what was down. And they, they couldn't cope with this wilderness period. And that's why many of them, if not most of them, never actually made it into the promised land. It's because they struggled to ever fully be free. And I think, of, I think of times in my life where there's been these liberation moments. I, I think of when I became a Christian. I, I think of the time, um, a, a, a youth conference where I was filled with the Holy Spirit. These are moments of liberation. I, I think of, the, you know, transformation. I, I think of when I was baptized and just what that did on my journey. But, but and, and if I shared my testimony to you that many of these moments will be in there just as they may be for you. But do you know what actually no one ever kind of told me was actually it was all the bits in between. That was the walking in the process of what it was to be free. It was the nights when I was left alone with my thoughts, when I didn't, you know, when I was maybe tempted by something or whatever. It was in those moments of actually standing firm on the promise of actually I am a child of God. I am free from this. I no longer have to live life like this. And, uh, and you know, these aren't the glamorous things. These aren't the moments of liberation. These aren't the light bulb moments. This is the little nitty gritty, left alone, in the dark. There's no one coming for you. You're on your own. It's just you and God. And I just want to encourage you in this moment, of, in the process of finding freedom and total freedom in Christ, it is complicated, but it is achievable, not in your strength, but in his strength. And, um, you know, I just, I just want to read. Um, I've got, well, in my writing it says I've got four points. I've actually got six. I don't know how many of them have made it on there, Johnny. We're still at four, possibly five. Um, but um, the, these, are, these are six things that, that I believe can help us to walk in a greater sense of freedom. One is to remember your captivity. Remember where you came from. Remember what life was like before you were a Christian. Remember what, what a mess you were in. Or remember the, the tangle that you were in. Remember where, you, where your mindset was, what your focus was, what life meant and was lived for without Christ. Remember your captivity. Two, really important, remember your conversion. Allow yourself in your mind to be taken back to that moment where you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Remember what that meant, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. What that meant, that the cost had been paid, the debt had been paid, that you were suddenly released from that. Allow yourself to remember that. Remember your calling, that that life isn't literally about that we just exist here, but actually... We are called as people, every single one of us, that 
that God has a calling upon your life. Your, your life isn't for nothing. Your life has purpose. And sometimes in the compromise of freedom, uh, and we, in, or the compromise for a less harsh slavery, we think, well, I haven't really got a big part to play or whatever, but actually God has a part for you to play. There are people's lives to be changed through your life. There are testimonies to come off the back of your faithfulness to God. Remember that when freedom is complicated. The fourth thing is this, kill the compromise. One of the things that we maybe struggle with as, as Christians is trying to sometimes think, what is moral and what is wise? What is good? What's not quite as bad? You know, and sometimes we can get ourselves in a right tangle with these things. So as a Christian, I'm allowed to do this, but I'm not allowed to do that. Or I can do that in moderation, but I can't do that. And it, it becomes a rule book, uh, and we kind of find ourselves in a negotiation with God. Uh, can I just encourage you, if it doesn't feel wise, if it isn't building your future, if you find that it's actually limiting what God can do in you and through you, then it's probably an indicator that actually you need to kill the compromise with this thing. You just need to nip it in the bud. It just needs to go. That, that actually it, it's, it's not growing me as a person. It's limiting me. All it ever does is send me back to where I once was. It doesn't um, propel me forward into the life that God has for me. The fifth thing I've put is this, and I'm going to come back to a verse about this in a minute, is walk by the Spirit. We have to walk in harmony with the Holy Spirit. We, we need to be led. We need to, to, to be guided by him because we need his leading in our life. We have to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And the sixth thing that I put down here is talk to former slaves. Talk to those that are now free. Be encouraged by their testimony, whether it's in a marriage of their faithfulness, um, whether it's in their serving, whether it's in their business, whether it's in their decisions uh, of raising their kids. Talk to people who are free. Talk to people who were once you on this road of complicated freedom, but have seemingly entered into a different season. I'd encourage you to get yourself around them, whether there's people in your life group who just have more experience of life with you, to come around people and just say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I, I, I just feel like this is limiting what God can do in me. I, I need to be free from this. Well, get some people around you who aren't just going to tell you the nice things that you want to hear, but are actually wanting you to step into freedom. Understand the process of it and are willing to support you in it, to pray for you, to uphold you, to encourage you, to pick you up and drag you sometimes and actually have people in your life like that. Because, you know, it, it, it says in Galatians 5, the, the parallel of having people not like that in your life. Um, continuing in Galatians 5, 7 to 9, Paul says this, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And sometimes the company we keep can limit what God does in us and through us. Some, sometimes it just makes us cold to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and Paul's saying this, like, you know, who cut in on you? What or who cut in on you? A small bit of yeast, a tiny bit of yeast, works through a whole batch of dough. 
You know, a small bit of legalism mixed in with the gospel pollutes its purity. A small bit of compromise corrupts our freedom. Because we, we suddenly are pulled this way and this way. And who or what is pulling us back in chains? What have we compromised? You know, we see time and time again in, in the New Testament where uh, new converts were suddenly being asked, like we see in Galatians 5, to do this, 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 this. And we, you know, we see even Peter and Paul having disagreements about, you know, what's the expectations of these new converts. And, and it all can just become legalism and religious rituals and slavery. And, you know, so some of the stuff that's perhaps keeping us limited isn't a really bad scene. It's just that we've, we've lost our focus on what is actually important. Number one that's important is relationship with Jesus Christ personally and living out of a revelation of that sometimes we make this whole thing this christian journey about things that it really isn't about and i want to urge you don't settle for a less harsh slavery don't compromise freedom don't be fooled into thinking that freedom looks like living life with your wisdom but it's actually about living life with god's wisdom don't pressure yourself as we sometimes do in having a 10-step plan to become a better version of you. <laughs> Don't fall into the trap of weekly emotional liberation, but commit instead to the complicated journey of freedom. Three steps forward. Next week, it's two steps back, but then we go again. It's three steps forward. We're holding on to the grace of God. We're walking in His strength, in His power, led by the Holy Spirit. You know, it says in Galatians 5, 16 to 18, so I say this, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want to encourage you today to be people who are led by the Spirit. You know, they say they're in conflict so as we can't do whatever we want because sometimes what we want is not the best for us. And instead, we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You know, people in today do think that being free is living life however they want to live. Would you agree with that? That, that it's kind of, that, that is freedom to, to be able to just get up when you want, do what you want, say what you want, and have no consequences because we're free. Whereas actually, to get a revelation of what being free is, to be free from condemnation, to be free from guilt, to have, you know, the weight of sin, the penalty of sin, paid for in full, you know, and with God's power and freedom working in us to actually flee from the, the presence of sin. None of this we can do on our own, all of which God has laid out for us. That's what it is to walk in freedom. You know, there's a, a slave woman from the deep south of America whose accent I'm not going to attempt this morning. She said this, Now, is I free or be I not? When I go to my old master, he says, I ain't free. And when I go to my own people, they say, I is. And I don't know whether I'm free or not. Some people told me that Abraham Lincoln signed a proclamation 
But Master says he didn't. Master says he had no right to. And I just want to encourage people in this room today, don't you ever let your old master tell you that you are not free. And tell you through Jesus Christ, you have total freedom. And total freedom. And you know, just as I believe that some people are just living their life through this lens of, uh, of that we're not free because of things that we've done. I just want to remind you, it was all paid for at the cross of Jesus Christ. All we've got to do is be spurred on to walk in that freedom, to, to not sit with the liberation moment, but actually say, I want to press on to receive the prize that God has called me heavenward. I actually want to walk in step with the Spirit. I want to be released from old mindsets. I want to be released from old thought patterns. I don't want to live my Christian journey a tangled up mess but I actually want to walk in the freedom and the obedience that God has called me to. So what we're just going to do just this morning, just as we, we close, and is I just want to allow a moment for you. We're not going to sing. We're not going to get excited. We're not going to, well, you can get excited if you want, you're free. But, but we're, not going to, we're not going to be praying for you. We're not going to, we don't want to, I really don't want to create an emotional moment. What I want us to do is to literally think about for a few minutes, what am I compromising? What is stopping me walking in step with the Holy Spirit? What is limiting my walk of freedom? And I just want you to spend some time with the Father. Just want you to spend some time perhaps apologizing, perhaps, perhaps just worshiping, perhaps just coming before him again and saying I commit my steps to you God I want to follow you afresh today and you know I just want to invite you in this room you can stand you can sit you can kneel you can bow you can come down the front go wherever you want but can I encourage you don't just sit in this moment and start thinking about dinner that is going to come but actually so if that means you've got to move to actually shake yourself up a little bit. Can I encourage you to do that? Because in this moment, this can be a fresh liberation moment. Perhaps you need to get a notepad out and begin to write down, these are some steps that I need to put in place for me to begin to walk in freedom. Because it's easy to feel liberated in here. You know, the presence of God is here. But actually on a Tuesday night when you're all alone and you're tempted to look at pornography or whatever else, can I tell you, it's harder to feel liberated in those moments, in those dark moments when you're perhaps tempted to send a message that you know has got repercussions or whatever that looks like in your life. So perhaps in this moment where you feel liberated, begin to think of a strategy that's not actually just going to momentarily release you, give you a little bit of a buzz that might get you through, might not, but actually what is practical steps that you can put in place? Who can you come and talk to and say, "Will, will you keep me accountable in this. I need someone who I can talk to honestly about that. Write their name down. Grab them after the service. Send them a message. You know, who, who is there in your life who's praying for you on a daily basis? Who, who can you be totally honest with? I, I urge you and encourage you to find someone who can walk this road to freedom with you. So just for a few moments as the band play, let's find a spot. You can worship, you can sing, you can write whatever that looks like let's go
for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.